0: You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network routine every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, I wanted to get to questions. And there are some good ones, and we're going to save them. We're going to save them because we had a bunch of news. Was it a Friday? No. It was a Wednesday. And not only was it a Wednesday, it was a July Wednesday in the NFL, and yet a bunch of stuff happened. The Packers signed multiple draft picks, including Jordan Love, a conversation about Devontae Adams, well, with Devontae Adams, about Darius Slay and, and about Devontae Adams in general uh, went viral, and we also found out some major news about the NFL's schedule as we move forward with a season in a world that still is facing the coronavirus pandemic. The NFL is set to announce a reduction in the schedule for the exhibition season. And this was expected. This was something that coaches were ready for in the spring. And the coronavirus is driving the need to say, "Okay, these games are not meaningful in the standings. And they put players at risk. The travel puts coaches and, and players and staff and everyone at risk. And so they are not necessary. It is also, in a way, a tacit admission that there is some value to these games. And clearly there is some rights issues. You want to you play some of these games because rights holders want there to be games and you make money off of these games. But also the coaches in the front office find value in these games. And they use them to evaluate their roster. And two fewer games means two fewer opportunities for the Packers to evaluate their roster. For the starters, that doesn't mean much. We know who the starters are going to be by and large. And with a protracted offseason, it doesn't seem like someone like Devin Funches has an inside track of starting. It's going to be you know guys that have been on the team. It's probably going to be MVS, Jay Kumro, Uh, Equinemius, St. Brown, those are going to be the guys in the mix here. For the Packers, that means two exhibition games, one on August 22nd against Cleveland and one on August 29th against the Giants. One home game, one road game. It also includes, according to Kevin Seifert at ESPN, a three-week acclimatization period between the start of camp on July 28th and the first pod of preseason games. So it allows everyone to get into town, If you theoretically get sick on that travel or in the first week of being in town, you have time to quarantine and then you go play the games. That's the theory here. Does that translate in the season? There's already reports that teams are going to go day of the game to travel. This is something that we've seen in the English Premier League with soccer. It's a lot easier when everyone's in the U.K., If you're going from, you know, London to Liverpool, not that far. If you're going from Green Bay to Tampa Bay, I know they both have Bay in it, but that's a track. And to do that on, you know, just a couple hours before game time. And if you have a, a noon kick central time, that creates all kinds of schedule problems for you. There's also this report out that the league is considering a COVID waiver. So any fan attending the game would have to essentially indemnify the league, the team, et cetera, against legal liability for contracting COVID. If there's going to be 70,000 people in the stadium, the NFL is basically saying you are accepting that risk and that is on you. And so you can't blame us. You can't sue us, et cetera. Does that make sense? It makes sense insofar as it makes sense for the league to protect itself. Does it make sense to say, hey, we know this is dangerous and we know you probably shouldn't do it, but um, can you just sign this thing so you can't sue us if you choose to do the thing? I mean, the the moral thing is to say we think this is not the right thing to do at this time to put all these people together, even outside. There's a lot of data that says outside. The coronavirus is not nearly as transmissible, it's not nearly as dangerous, and you know, it, it's a lot easier to have gatherings. Mass gathering seventy five thousand people at Lambeau Field is still gonna be a pretty big problem and it's gonna be even worse in places like Minnesota, Atlanta, New Orleans, Houston. So the NFL is going to have to reckon with that part of this. Now, this is a step in the right direction. Shortening the exhibition season is something that even in non-coronavirus times, a lot of players, coaches, and teams have wanted, in particular players. Aaron Rodgers does not care about the preseason. You know who else doesn't care about preseason? Fans. You know who else doesn't care about preseason? Sports writers. Really don't care. Now, it's it's more opportunities for me to talk about the team. It's more opportunities for me to see these players in a game setting. And so I love it as an analyst, as someone who's trying to dissect what's going on and figure out, okay, this is what's happening here and this is what's happening there. And this is, this player is, is decent and this player isn't. I don't know that it's a great talent evaluator in a vacuum, uh, but I think it does help you understand, okay, this player is, is doing some things. They have this ability. They're being used in this way. I, I don't know that we learn a ton from these games, the, the phrase that I always use is just because they don't count doesn't mean they don't matter. And that's the way that I view the exhibition season. You know, Bob McGinn had a pet peeve. You can't don't call it preseason. It's an exhibition. They don't count. They don't matter. It's just for the fans. If there's no fans, do you really need an exhibition season? Well, the teams do use them. And I think it's worth having a discussion about who benefits and who doesn't. Because if you need some of these guys to get up to speed, you want them to get live game reps. You want Josiah Daguire to get some game reps. You want Jay Sternberger to get some game reps. Devin Funches and Aaron Rodgers, you want them to get live game reps. Because they're not going to be joint practices. Those were their opportunities, in theory, to get some something close to live bullets. And knowing that Aaron Rodgers probably not going to play much in the preseason. So now we're not going to get that. I, th- I still think Jordan Love is going to play a lot in the preseason. I mean, why even bother playing Tim Boyle until, like, the fourth quarter? Aaron Rodgers is, is not going to play very much at all. You want to get Jordan Love as many of these reps as you possibly can. So in two games, I mean, there might be, in one of these preseason games, Jordan Love might might legitimately play three quarters. And we've seen that from the Packers, from other teams in the past. Brett Hundley, there's a game, but Brett Hundley played three quarters. Because he could. And, you know, it's, it's pretty unlikely someone is going to suffer a career-threatening injury in the preseason. And, and so, you know, I, I, I don't think that that part of it is a worry. You want to get him reps. You want to get him live reps. And you want all these rookies to get reps. You want all of these first-year Packers to get reps. You want Christian Kirksey to get some reps, Rick Wagner to get some reps. They don't have to play the game. You don't have to play, you know, a half or even a quarter, but these reps are still important. They're not everything. You know, the starters are going three-quarter speed, maybe 80%. And, and so, you know, you can't learn a lot there. But you want some continuity. And you want to get your young players a chance to get acclimatized. Okay, here's what it looks like in, at, in real time, in real speed. And, you know, that stuff matters. It, it matters on the margins. Is it is it materially impactful on the season? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't think it is, but I don't think it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? I don't think it's nothing, but I don't think it's a big something. It's something. It's certainly not nothing. I'm not convinced it's something, but it's not nothing. And it is something for the fringe roster guys because it's too fewer opportunities for them to show what they can do, fewer opportunities for them to try and make this team. And so... You know, the, the receiver thing, every year, the, the, it seems for the last five-plus years, the Packers have had this glut of receivers. Well, what are you going to do? Well, the preseason has been a big barometer of that, and it, it has been an indicator for the Packers. Okay, uh, we to got to keep all these guys, I guess. Or, hey, this person is, is dispensable, this person is disposable, et cetera, et cetera. So it's fewer opportunities for that. Now, maybe the Packers don't need it. It is a crowded roster as is. So we'll see what happens there. The fact that there are fewer opportunities means fewer opportunities for fans if we have fans. So that affects you. Uh, It also means fewer opportunities for the Packers to evaluate their players. And those kinds of things matter. Before we get to the second half of the show, I do want to just do a quick plug. Um, There is a, a bar in New York City called Kettle of Fish. And Aaron Rodgers tweeted about it, Aaron Nagler tweeted about it, I tweeted about it. It is a very special place. It is, in my opinion, the best place to watch a Packer game that is not Lambeau Field. And because of the coronavirus, because of the shutdown in New York City and the ongoing shutdown of our economy, um, they're struggling. And we don't want them to have to close. So I highly encourage you, go to their GoFundMe page. If you've never been to Kettle of Fish, ask a friend of yours, a Packer friend, if they've been. Because I asked someone the other day, someone who I didn't even know had ever been to New York City, and it turned out they had been to Kettle and they'd watched a game. I've watched many games at Kettle of Fish. It is an iconic place. It is part of Packers history. Aaron Rodgers has been there, taken photos there. So go preserve this piece of history. The, one of the great things about Packer Nation is that it is everywhere. It is not just in Wisconsin. It's not just Door County and Milwaukee and Madison and Green Bay and Appleton and Trivers and Rhinelander and Wausau and Wisconsin Rapids and Stevens Point and La Crosse. It's so much more than that. And that matters. Speaking of things mattering, that matters. So I hope you will help keep a place like Kettle of Fish open. Go to their GoFundMe page and support them with whatever you are able to give. I understand that this is a tough time for everybody. And we're all trying to make ends meet here and and muddle through. So help a place that really does nothing but bring joy. And if for no other reason than the first place Bob Dylan ever saw Jimi Hendrix play, was at the original Kettle of Fish, true story. It's not where the Kettle of Fish now is now, but it was Kettle of Fish, and it was in fact the first place Bob Dylan saw Jimi Hendrix play. So support it. It would be really great. It's it's a Wisconsin-owned business. Um, they actually have a uh, a beer named after Wisconsin there. And at halftime, at halftime of Packer games, they serve brats, using brats that they fly in every week. So it is a special place. I hope you will support it. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Rock Auto tries to make car part buying easier. It can be so confusing, so overwhelming to have to go to a car parts store and explain, okay, I have this model and I need this thing. And you don't know if you're using the right words. I, I struggle to make these reads happen because I don't know these words. I can't improv. I can't just ad lib, oh, the thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know them. If I needed to buy parts for my car, I would be in big trouble, which is why I can use Rock Auto to make my life easier. And so can you. The best thing about it is they do not have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus do-it-yourselfers. They always offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the markets will bear. They have a unique catalog that's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write LOCKED ON in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Today's episode is also brought to you by the U.S. Army. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies or seek adventure across the globe, the army is where you can make all of that happen and so much more. The army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. All right, I want to talk about this thing that I when I tweeted it out, I had no idea it would it would become a thing. And I tweeted out, Brian Baldinger, who's a, a former NFL player, does these things on Twitter, Baldy's Breakdown, and he does this special for Game Pass where he sits down with players and analyzes their tape. And one of the things he did was sit down with Devontae Adams. And it, it is a great episode. Go find it. It's on YouTube. Um, you can watch it. It's really fascinating. And, and Devontae Adams talks about the craft of route running, about reading defenses, reading coverages, timing with Aaron Rodgers. I and mean, it's fascinating. Go check it out. But on a particular play, he said that he knew against the Lions that he knew it was man coverage. And he knew it was man coverage because the Lions never disguise man coverage. He said he watched 200 cut-ups. And on plays where the Lions were in man coverage, Darius Slay traveled with the receiver, the number one receiver. And on plays where they were in zone, he wouldn't. So Devontae Adams knew every snap that at least that there was motion or that he was traveling what coverage the Lions were in. And the reason I tweeted it is because I thought it was funny that Devontae apparently in this game told Darius Slay that he knew what coverage they were in every time. He was like, "I, you guys are you're are not disguising. I know the coverage. And Darius Slay apparently thought it was hilarious. Because he found my tweet and said so. And I'm not telling this story to say, oh, isn't it cool Darius Slay retweeted me, but by the way, isn't it cool that that happened? Uh, (laughs) What I think is important for our purposes is one of the things that I I think comes up a lot with the Packers and and why some, some fans have frustration with this defense is you go into a game... And you say, okay, this team has one receiver that can beat us. Just let Jair take that dude. And against the, you know, against Terry McLaurin, the Packers did it. Jair matched him most of the game and shut him down most of the game. There was a, a late, a late touchdown throw um, that that I, I'm not sure it was all Jair's fault. I think he expected to have safety help, but Mike Patton doesn't like to do it. Uh, The signature Jair Alexander performance is against the Rams, his rookie year, shuts down Brandon Cooks and and is all over the field with him, runs with him step for step, shows his speed, shows his agility, shows his tenacity, shows the dog that is in his play. Mike Patton says, I don't like to do it because it's predictable. You know what we're going to be in. If Jair Alexander is following around Adam Thielen next year, the, the Vikings are going to know what coverage they're in every time. Now, you can disguise it, and Brian Baldinger mentioned that. He said, they, well, they don't, they don't bluff it. And Devontae Adams said, no, they don't. They don't even fake it because if you send a receiver in motion – And this is something teams do all the time. It's something the Packers do all the time. And it's something I'd like to see the Packers do more of. Use pre-snap motion to identify coverage. We actually have data now that suggests that pre-snap motion creates better outcomes for offenses. And part of the reason is because you can identify coverage. It also creates doubts in defenders' minds, especially on jet sweep motion. Okay, is that guy going to get the ball? Is he not? So if you create that motion... That is meant to identify coverage. Theoretically, that makes it easier for teams on offense to say, okay, you're in this defense. So what the Packers will do, and what plenty of teams do, is they'll bluff it. J.R. Alexander will go in motion with the receiver, and they'll be in zone. Now, the reason I wish the Packers would do it more often is it's really hard to bluff that consistently. And there's usually other telltale signs, whether it's safety alignment, linebacker alignment, that you can use to say, okay, I know the coverage here. And quarterbacks consistently know the coverage. You may recall a press conference last year before the Chargers game. Mike Patton said, "Philip Rivers has seen every coverage. He's seen every disguise. He knows the deal. We need to out-execute him. Guess what? They didn't. And being able to disguise is important even against good quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, every once in a while, will get fooled. Tom Brady, every once in a while, will get fooled. Drew Brees, every once in a while, will get fooled. And you can't do it consistently, but every once in a while. And those every once in a whiles can turn into interceptions, and those can be important plays for your team, particularly when you don't have top-tier receiver talent. You need those wins on the margins. You need to be able to say, okay, they're in man coverage. So that means this thing for route adjustments, you need to make it easy because receivers don't read coverage the same way quarterbacks do. They just don't have the same alacrity with it in most cases. The great ones, of course, do. And by the way, same as quarterbacks. (laughs) There are a lot of quarterbacks that don't read coverage as well pre-snap. The great ones do. But you want to make it easy. That's the that's sort of the point of coaching in the NFL. You want to make it easy for the quarterback. You want to make it easy for the receivers. You want them to know, okay, man coverage, I got this adjustment. Okay, zone coverage, I got to sit down here. Okay, they're going to try and pinch me to this side. And, and those all matter when we're talking about concepts that a given team is going to run. So the Packers, who lack great receiver talent, could really stand to rely more on pre-snap motion, jet motion, to not only identify coverage, but to create advantages for themselves, whether it's with numbers, whether it's with leverage, or it's simply trying to get the linebackers to move in a specific way. There's a difference between running pre-snap, jet sweep motion with Geronimo Allison and jet motion with Equinemia St. Brown or jet motion with, Aaron Jones, I'd love to see them in 21 personnel more use pre-snap motion with running backs. It's something they had a lot of success with last year. You know, that that first possession against the Vikings is something I'll always go back to, but it's something they 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 did a lot more with Devontae Adams on the bench when he was hurt with that turf toe injury. Use Aaron Jones in jet sweep motions. I mean, I I remember Melvin Gordon in in college and he was in a loaded backfield at Wisconsin. And I think it was the Nebraska game, but I may be misremembering. It may be the bowl game now that I'm thinking about it. And they basically only used him on jet motion. He was not in the backfield. They had Monte Ball and, and a really good backfield of, of guys. James White might have been on that team. I don't, I, I don't quite remember the specifics. They basically only used Melvin Gordon on jet motion. He had like nine carries for a buck 40. I mean, a great game, a bunch of huge plays. When you have A.J. Dillon and you have Aaron Jones and you have Jamal Williams, put one of the hammers in the backfield and use Aaron Jones across the formation. Think of how much that could be an advantage for your offense to identify coverage, to draw attention, and to try and create favorable matchups for you. On the flip side, defensively, you want to avoid that. And Mike Patton has talked about wanting to disguise his coverages better, and I think one of the problems last year was when you have so many injuries – You can't disguise coverages with your safeties the same way. You can't use Will Redmond the same way you could use Darnell Savage. And so now in year two, you've got year two of Darnell Savage and year two of Adrian Amos plus the rest of the secondary with Mike Patton and and trying to put together a plan that makes sense there. So the reason I bring all of this up is because it has impacts on both sides of the ball for the Packers. It has at least lessons that they can take. Hey, pre-snap motion – turns out it's really good. And being able to disguise your coverages, turns out it's really good. As we finish up here, I do want to mention the, the deals that the Packers signed with Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. And, and a lot was made of the fact that the Packers ended up fully guaranteeing Jordan Love's deal. Uh, but Jason at Over the Cap mentioned that it's not really a big deal. Uh, last year, the 24th pick got a fully guaranteed deal. Uh, which typically means that this year the 25th pick would get one. Uh, Brandon Ayuk did get one. And the Packers said rather than haggle over you know less than 2% of the contract being non-guaranteed, they just did the full guarantee. So Jordan Love has a fully guaranteed four years plus the fifth-year option, and he's going to play before them. He's going to play before them. So it's not really something that anyone should worry about most Picks, most first-round picks, you might as well get four guaranteed years because everyone gets four years unless you're absolutely, completely an unmitigated disaster. Everyone gets that time. Everyone gets four years at least as a first-round pick now to prove their worth. And Jordan Love might not play for two years. So what is the circ- I mean, Mitch Trubisky was really bad last year. And he, he's still going to be under contract. And and might get an extension. I mean, let's let's all hope that Ryan Pace keeps his job and extends Mitch Trubisky because that would be that would be pretty glorious for the Packers. <laughs> so it's 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 noteworthy that the Packers did this, that that he signed and that it's done. Beyond that, it's not particularly noteworthy. And and they were able to sign him. And I saw some consternation on Twitter. Why are these guys signing these things in person? A.J. Dillon and Jordan Love were each already in Green Bay so it's not like they had to travel to sign these things they've been in green bay they've been working out and actually i have been working on trying to get uh the trainer over at synergy in in green bay to talk about the work that they're doing and and what he's seeing so something to look forward to i do have some fun interviews coming up a lot great planned for july and so we're gonna have a lot of fun between now and when camp opens and uh I, i hope you will come on that journey with me uh